Welcome to another episode of the Awakening the Warriors podcast. In studio is my friend and special guest, Jeannie Kidwell. She's here to be vulnerable and transparent, and she's going to tell us about being raised in a strict Christian household, to growing up and becoming a divorcee not once, but three times, to surviving infidelity, and now she's navigating single womanhood as she's raising three amazing children. Jeannie, I'm so happy to have you in studio with me today. Welcome. I'm excited to hear about your story, and the other thing that Jeannie is going to um emotionally share with us is when to recognize that it's time to leave a relationship and it's not worth staying simply for the sake of wanting to be in a relationship. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you for being here. Let's get started. Thank you. Um, my name is Jeannie. Um, I grew up here in Northern Virginia, actually right in, in Noakesville. So I've lived to other places, but it calls me back. Um, so um, I am, I was Born and raised here. Um, I have three kids. Um, I have a first grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader. Oh man! Yeah, and um, they are my entire life. Um, I am divorced, um, and I've walked through quite a bit over the past couple of years, and really throughout my life. And it's kind of taken me uh, a few different routes. So um, Franny has asked me, knowing my story, yeah. knowing what. Um, I've, I've been through, and she's been through some of it with me, um, has asked me to kind of um, be a little, a little bit of, of a part of this, and it's really, it's really a pleasure and an honor to do it. And well, I'm just happy to be here to bask in the beauty and the glow that Jimmy gives <laughs> off, so hopefully a little bit of that will rub off on me. But <laughs> One of the things I want to start talking about, Jeannie, is uh, I know you shared that you are a divorcee, so I just want to, what I really would like you to just share a little bit um, from what I've heard and what I've read and the stories that I've uh, been privy to and the conversations I've had with women, that is not an easy process to go through. No. So you've gone through that and you, you, you're, just l tell us a well, little bit. Well, about. let's, let's. Let's say how many times I've gone through it. Yes. Because I think that's important because yeah. a lot of women are judged on that and we yeah. go, yeah. when? Okay, so I've been married and divorced three times. So then, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because it, it, in, in our society and in our culture, having to even share that yeah. is, a, you're right, it's enough to like <clears throat> make us sling back into, a, a, see it as a form of shame. Yeah. And one of the things that we're doing is empowering each other to not dwell in the spaces that allow us to exist within mm -hmm. shade. So thank you, Jeannie, and yes. And and, and then let's go a little further into yeah. that, right? I do have three kids, but I have three kids by two different fathers. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, you know, I, I very much grew up in, in a, a Southern Baptist home yeah. and in a very Christian home, which my parents don't judge me, I'm very grateful for it, <laughs> but um, grew up in that judgment. Yeah. And so to say, that yeah. um, is hard, right? That's that's hard. It, uh, well, but, growing up Southern Baptist in and of itself comes with its own <clears throat> amount of experience that often leaves women, especially, yes. feeling very judged, very shamed. As a you know, so we could talk about that a little bit more. But I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Even in an environment that's very strict and rigid, as growing up in the Southern Baptist Christian home. Mm -hmm. Your parents were very supportive. Oh yes. Oh yeah. And then we'll talk a little bit about the blended families because um, I, 
I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I could say one in a very small number of families are blended families. Yes. So. And so I did come from a blended family because my parents were also divorced. So okay. I grew up with a step a stepdad, which okay. is, <laughs> hurts my heart to even say because he's been my dad since I was four and a half. My my mom and stepdad got married when I was uh, a couple of weeks after my fifth birthday, mm -hmm. um, and he came into our lives when I was about four and a half. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been really lucky to to have that and end at that point in time because you know I was. I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> I'm 42. I'll be really honest that about that. That sounds very spring chicken to me. <laughs> so at that point, it was, you know, 19, yeah. 1983, and, and divorce really wasn't a thing, and women were really looked down on for that. So my mom carried a lot of that, and then to be in a Southern Baptist church where your yeah. parents are, yeah. you know, you are a blended family. Who? I mean, my dad couldn't be a deacon because, you know. He got divorced. Yes. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot. And so oh, you yeah. just sit there and you're like, okay, yeah, that's us, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I didn't yeah. want that for my kids. I don't want that for my kids now, yeah. right? But I think the really cool part, I think the, the, the biggest thing that I am proud of is being a single mom of mm. three kids. Like, I'm proud of that, there's a lot of pride that comes. Yeah. Um, I don't say it shamefully. I, I say it very, very proudly. And I'm sure people are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but it's like, no, you don't understand. Right. You don't understand. Like, it, yeah. it, it is. I'm, and, I'm doing this. And, and so that's one of the, the beautiful things, Jeannie, about you. And um, I can't wait for everyone to hear why you can say that you, you know, there's no, no packaging or no reasoning for that, but to help people to arrive at a place where they could say, you know what, I'm proud to be yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and, and I think that really does come from my mom, right? Like, I think that comes from my mom and, and her mom, um, my grandmother being very, um, very um, independent, mm -hmm. very, which was really weird for my grandmother. For your grandmother. Um, you just come from a family of trailblazing women, Jeannie. Ooh, let me tell you. And, and then my grandmother's mother, so my great-grandmother wow. also. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, wow. I come from a line of it. And, and, and for me, that's... But I... In, in the same respect, I come from a long line of very strong men as well. So to kind of the having and where they support us and are mm -hmm. proud of us for yeah. being those strong women. Wow. So and for being independent and we were allowed to be that way. And in um, I mean, everybody if if anybody spent longer than five minutes with me, they know. Huh. So. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> So, Jeannie, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, we, we could start with the, the, your first divorce and what, what, how that came about, or how that came to be, or what challenges you experienced in that marriage mm -hmm. to, to allow you to arrive at that decision being the best one for your family. So, my, um, my first husband was my college sweetheart. And so, yeah, yeah. So, um, and of course... I really the only person that I ever really dated because in high school I did not date. I did not. First of all, boys got on my nerves, and so. <laughs> 
Think all my nerves. If you followed me around too much, too neat. I had things Clean. to do. Yeah, I had yeah. things to do. You're so busy. I had things to do. <laughs> I had things to do, and that was kind of my attitude then. And I, I mean, yeah. I just like we talked about earlier. They have those same boys that I went to high school with have come back to me as adults and been like, we were so intimidated by you. And I was like, Aww. that is so ridiculous. Like, why? But probably because if you followed me around too much, like, I just was like, why are you here? I mean, well, I think you make a very good point. And it's, um, you know, one of the things that I've had conversations about is like boys wanting girls to be their girlfriends, right? Mm -hmm. And following them around. Yeah, and I don't do that. a girl saying no. Yeah. But then they kind of re-strategize and, you know, having parents kind of telling them what to do to re-strategize rather than um, in the pursuit of the girl, rather than accepting that she said no. Well, and I think that even as a, the daughter in the situation, the female in the situation, mm -hmm. having your having your parents look at you and be like, your expectations are like, here mm -hmm. and you're talking about a high school boy mm -hmm. okay like that was kind of I was like all right yeah so I should lower my standard because of his age that's ridiculous to right me. and that was my thought process right and so um and I wasn't lowering anything right I, I did not want to be followed I had things to do I, I and had you made that and clear and plain right I, I believed I did <laughs> I mean I believed I communicated that effectively when yeah. I said why are you following me around? What are you doing here? But how many teenage girls do you? Oh, none. Know? And there are very few that would yeah. look at a a boy that they even even if they didn't yeah. like him all the way would be like yeah. And I knew that I was different in that way, right? Like I wasn't I wasn't because my friends I would watch them get boyfriends and I was like oh I wish I could do that, but. Then I would get one. I'd be like, "You're really getting on my nerves. Like, I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, and just being able to say that, Jeannie, and and and, and move on, and mm -hmm. be about things that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And gone is the era. Well, I shouldn't say gone is the era where girls are still being conditioned to find that guy and find that man because that's what you're supposed oh, yeah. to do. Oh yeah, and not to be Debbie Downer because I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I'm gonna be like. And not to be cynical, maybe cynical is yeah. um, Look at the Hallmark movies. Everybody watching those Hallmark yes. movies right now, and they're all the same thing, right? It's all the same. The strong, independent woman who doesn't have time because she's doing her yeah. thing, yeah. and everybody thinks, oh, poor you. And magically, some dude shows up, and over the course of a week or two before Christmas, all of these wonderful things happen and they fall in love and kiss at the end. That That is not real life. <laughs> Even though my dad tries to convince me that it, it is. is. <laughs> Every year he's like, but that's me and your mom. I'm like, Aww. dad, okay, I love you. <laughs> that's the way it works in real life. Like, And, and you can't, you, you can't base, not that I haven't because I totally have, like yeah. I've fallen into that pit of basing because of something that I wanted to believe about someone so badly yeah. in, in the course of a very short amount of time. And you know, Jeannie, that, that's so important. For me, like, I dated my husband, and I was in my 20s when I first dated my husband, and that's the only guy I've ever dated. So I can't speak to a lot of... <laughs> 
dating things, but I, I, we, but we can't. It's terrible. Dating is terrible. <laughs> well, it was very exciting when we were No, 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 no. It. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Even now when him and I talk about it, I'm like, dude, your, your marketing campaign agent sucked. <laughs> Mine worked overtime, so maybe that's okay. You know what we but it's in the dating where, you know, a lot of times it's, uh, and we talked about this earlier, it's after you get into the relationship and after you get into the you marriage. You those layers. Oh, yeah. it was always there. Yeah. Whatever the thing that. But you didn't see it at first because you wanted to, you didn't want to be that. My marketing agent worked overtime, so I was blinded by <laughs> you. You didn't want to be that girl that was like, oh, I I throw, I throw men yeah. away because one little thing comes up, right? Yeah. So you think. And, and, and this is a lot that has to do with conditioning, yeah. right? Absolutely. Not only that, but you know that you've made decisions in your past with, with people that you may not have want to be held against you. Well, that's <laughs> and, true, and, yeah. And, and so you try to show that same grace and empathy towards that person. Well, if it's the wrong person, they're going to use that to manipulate you. And, and it's knowing the difference. And it's knowing the difference. And unfortunately, like that's the, you know, the, the environment in which... Well, for these young ladies, especially in this era, thankfully, I, w I will say, I have observed young women being as assertive as you've been <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I've, I've, I've paid that much attention to notice that um, they were assertive then. I feel like the thing that I saw the most were young girls, especially in high school, even in college, wanted the attention oh, and yeah. wanted the attention from any guy as long as you know they were getting the attention oh yeah and um so you know and i've had those conversations with my daughter right even though she's seven yeah we have those conversations and let me tell you what she will look at a picture or something on tv and be like mom she shouldn't be wearing that she's showing her body and i was i'm like who are you little girl like <laughs> <laughs> and I know, and it's not that I'm all covered up, like, I'm not always in a turtleneck, yeah. like, I'm not always all covered up, but there is a certain way that I carry myself, yeah. there's a certain way that I, I, I dress, because one, I like it, and two, because it, it's so hard because you know, all of these things have come out where, you know, oh, only be this way, only be that way, do whatever you want, blah, 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 blah. Which is fine. If you yeah. dress however you are comfortable. But understand that it does give a message off. It does say something. And it does give attention. And you have to be able to negotiate that attention. If you are not mature enough in order to handle that attention and to negotiate yourself through that attention, that becomes dangerous. And that's what I've tried to teach Charlotte. Like, that's really what I've tried to teach my daughter. You have to understand that there is a behavior that will happen to a visual. Just like women do the same thing. Listen, we do the same thing. Because well, have... you give me a beard and muscles and tattoos and you can forget it. <laughs> That's funny that like, you oh my God. Oh my well, one of the things that I've actually been trying to tell my daughter because it, it's, it's, you know what, Jeannie? That's such an important point because in, in my growing up, that was shared with me a lot, mm -hmm. a lot that, but I, I'm trying to teach my daughter that it's not her responsibility to carry the 
uh, behavior or to make the behavior of a man who sees it's not her, her responsibility. It's not her responsibility at all, but that's not how I was taught. Right. I was nope. taught it's my responsibility. You're making him. You're making him think those thoughts. You're making him think those th thoughts. And I think it's, you know, then I wouldn't say it was a, a very irresponsible, but the burden and the, the psychological damage yes. it does to to our girls and to us mm -hmm. that that message was passed on to yes. us. Um, and I think I almost started passing that on to my, I don't want to say almost, as I think I caught myself at a very, she was about four years old when I caught the level of conservatism that I was teaching her, which wasn't just conservatism, but it was packaged in, you are responsible for. And then not only that, we sent her to a Christian school. Well, where they, I attended those. <laughs> the uniform were requiring my four-year-old daughter, five-year-old, she was 14 when we took her out of that school, required her to wear her skirt almost at ankle length. And what that instilled the entire time is that this should always be covered because it's shameful, right? And because it might make somebody else do something. And it might. So I, the fact that you know, so there there was a period, even though it we, my husband and I caught it at a very young age. More so, my husband was very different from me in that regard. He was like Francis, let her wear whatever. Right. Um, and then it, the school that she went to not only wanted to control. The way she dressed within the school setting, but outside the oh, school no, no, setting. No. Um, <laughs> and then that happened to me. That happened to me and my mom. Which, like I told you before, I come from a, my grandmother's French. Yeah. And her policy was show you why you got it, because when you get old, don't nobody want to see it. And so that was her policy. That's, and funny. that's a huge contrast to being Southern Baptist, right? Yeah. yeah. Huge contrast to going to Christian school, where again, yeah. Mine had to hit my knees. Yeah. Huge contrast. And so she wasn't allowed to hit my skirts yeah. because they would be halfway up my thigh, you know? Like, I, but I had a very unique twist there yeah. where I was taught not to be ashamed of my body, to not be ashamed mm -hmm. of, of, of sex or my body or of any of those things. But to be conscious of the message that I send yeah. by how I carry myself, what I do, what I say, and all yeah. of those things. Because there's a reaction to that. It's so funny that you said that because I mean, we, we were having that conversation at our house just the other day with our daughter. She is in her early 20s now. And she's now in the workforce, in the professional environment. Oh. And that literally comes into play. So, as you know, you're right. So, we, we do have to have these conversations. And one of the things she shared with us, and I was trying to remember what my thoughts were when I was her age entering the, the marketplace and, and being I didn't a professional. think about it. Let me tell you what. I didn't think about it until... Because I worked in male-dominated industries my entire career. Mm -hmm. Whether it was youth sports, which, you know, I got to be in, like... I wore leggings and mm -hmm. a, a, a shirt all, you know, like that's, that was just kind yeah. of, I loved that. It was amazing. Yeah. That's kind of my uniform now that I'm working yeah. from home. But then I stepped into a more conservative environment in the IT industry. And when you get into that, again, male dominated. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of times where I sat in, in a conference room and I was the only female and surrounded by, by, by men. And, um, I was, I, I dressed conservatively. Mm -hmm. I, 
thank God for my professional parents and for understanding how to show up, right? You show up proper to work, these are the things that you wear. And I wore a suit to work every day, whether it was a, a, a skirt suit or a pantsuit, mm -hmm. that's what I wore to work every day. It was, I mean, collared shirt, the whole, like, covered up. Yeah. But that didn't stop someone from backing me into an elevator. That didn't, didn't stop one of the executives there from doing that. And, not, and you stand there and you're like, what have I done to make you right. think that that's okay or that I would receive that? You know, and I remember I stood there, backed in that corner, and twice as big as me, and an executive. <laughs> and I said, whatever you're going to do, you better go ahead and do it quickly because when those doors open, it opens to the ground floor and everybody's there. And I stared him in his eyes and I did not back down from it. And he just, he stared at me until he knew that it was getting ready to, to open. And I mean, I could feel the warmth of his body up against mine. That's how close he was. And he turned around and he walked out of the elevator. You know, Jeannie, I mean, in, in, in this short time that we've spoken, we, we've just touched on some really massive <laughs> issues. But I mean, you know, harassment in the workplace. And, you know, going back real quick. Like you say you wore pantsuits, you wore skirt suits, yeah. and I, I, as you said that I clearly recall like Hillary Clinton being vilified and uh, made bullied and made fun of in by the media when she ran in one of her attempts to run for the president, the office of presidency, for because she wore pantsuits. Like, <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> you know, like, when is it that women are, and then, you know, and then when women are going to be acknowledged for the the value they bring to the workplace and not yeah. be a, a, a eventual victim that gets backed up in the elevator. Yeah. Because, you know, your parents invested yeah. in you, you went to school, you got your education, and just like my daughter was saying, like, in college, and what we were going to talk about that has gotten, like... <laughs> Over there, <laughs> we're over there. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's really troubling that mm -hmm. these are things that women who are in these male-dominated spaces yeah. have to deal with. On top of the fact that you are expected to perform yes. above and beyond men and get paid less for it, and then not only that, but you also have to go home. And 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 keep in mind that when I first started in in the IT industry, it would have been around 2004 or five, um, which people probably think it would be, oh, it's starting to progress, blah, blah, blah. Very, 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 very beginning, right? Yeah. Um, you would think that, um, uh, as I said, and I know you hate it when I say this, but, um, I understood that I wasn't a desperate-looking woman, right? <laughs> like, I understood that. Yeah. <laughs> I looked in the mirror, I saw that, I got it, right? I also looked younger than being 26 or 27. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I, I did nothing for that to be my truth. That just was my truth. I, yeah. I did not look um, my age, which now I look back at 26 and 27-year-olds at 42, and I'm like, oh, you're so cute, you know? Like, so, it's <laughs> Ridiculous, yeah. but it's the truth, right? And so now, um, I think a big part of it is, um, and when I spoke 
I, I had a little bit of a southern accent. My personality is what it is. I wasn't, I wasn't super stern. I was willing to be warm and personable and all of those things. Well, to some people that's an open invitation, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. <laughs> I was just being nice to you. So now you're telling me that I need to be kind of rude and distant in order to be taken seriously. Well, then that I'm not being me because I'm not like that. And so yeah. there was this really weird kind of dynamic yeah. that existed and I didn't know what to do because I couldn't be myself because if it was myself, then I was labeled as being flirty or that's not at all. Other women would label me that way. It was like, no, actually, I was just taught to be accepting and kind and, and personable and warm. That's my personality. That's who I am. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't... I struggled with that and I hated being in that the IT industry because of that because I couldn't be me without those labels being placed on me and it was really now now I don't care and now that's become one of the biggest assets to the company that I work for and what I'm doing because I'm in charge of our corporate culture I'm in charge of recruiting and bringing people in into our organization that are quality and that 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 warmness and that that personability and that acceptance and that hey look this isn't going to be a super starch thing is now something that's welcoming to others and was what I wanted it to be to begin with. I I think that's pretty powerful, Jeannie. Um, to kind of get to that place where you arrived at, I don't care because this is how I'm going to be. I, I am a professional and I'm a woman. I'm going to embrace all those things. So like, what would you say to like my daughter, you know, a young woman entering the marketplace and she was saying, you know, in college you go and you get education to become the professional mm -hmm. that you want to be. But, but they don't tell you how to be a professional. They don't tell you how to be a professional. And she said, you know, every day we wake up, I see sometimes girls wearing or people wearing their pajamas or sweats or, you know, you, you just wake up and you go to class and then she's like all of a sudden you, you graduate and with my daughter the week after she graduated from college she landed a job in her field of study right and that's so huge. which yes that's a huge accomplishment that's a huge accomplishment and so she she actually had conversations about that too because it's statistics she was going by what the st statistics said for and she how, was scared to death scared to death so we went out I remember even before she had gotten this job we went out and we were buying um, clothes and she wanted to buy shoes um, to reflect the level of professionalism that she wanted to take into the workplace and even after she did that she would come back and she was like mommy I am really not even prepared right for not just the dress but like mentally and oh yeah to navigate and I, I remember we had a conversation just the other day and she had to say something to one of her managers because they said something that was very damaging to women and women of color and was very diminishing and dismissive of her humanity right and so I, I you know we my dad her dad and I said you know Tyler we want to encourage you to learn to speak up so we kind of like gave it some examples and as she was walking out of the door she was like thank you so much and then she just kind of whispered she said but I'm so scared yeah so, and it's terrifying yes. because she's, she's just only three months into this. So, Jeannie, like, what would you say to young women, my daughter, or other girls who are now going to help you navigate 
um, preparing them for when that ex when that time comes where they feel like they are being backed up in the elevator or they actually are being backed up in the elevator in the bathroom in the stairwell and the conference meeting when they show up early to to, to facilitate whatever it is yeah because women bring value when it's evident but unfortunately sometimes they get tasked with menial things thankfully we're seeing um, more and more you know women leaders taking their, their place in, in the space of leadership and as a resource, what would what what like what are some of the things you would share? The the um, I guess to kind of back it up a little bit, I went from being a a, a program lead um, at a military installation, mm -hmm. helping to run the youth sports program, to which is a very different dynamic, mm -hmm. still very male dominated, yes. um, and then. I transitioned into the IT world. I knew nothing mm -hmm. about the IT world. Legit nothing. And I had to, I attended as many meetings as I could. Wow. Because I, I sat in there and I was like, I have no idea what you people are talking about. And I kind of don't even care. <gasps> I'm here because I need a job and this is where, I mean, I moved from Colorado back back here to home, yeah. and I was like, and then I'm going through a divorce with my first husband, so that kind of brings back now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, I I have no idea what you people are talking about. I don't know what a rack is. I don't know. I I understand conceptually what an infrastructure is. I don't know what. A server is, or why we are so concerned about them going down. Like I was, <laughs> like zero knowledge. No, that thank, no, that's awesome. And then here I sit, cute little, teeny tiny looking genie with a little bit of a southern accent, and and sitting in a meeting with my suit on, um, and I honestly faked it. So I got pulled into another group where now I'm supporting an executive more eyes on me, um, and I was panicking on the inside. Now I'm not in Maryland working in, in um, the office space that was like next to the data center, which I didn't even know what a data center was. Like I had no idea. I was like, what is that? <laughs> Where is this mysterious place? Like why are these racks of machines in there? Nobody cared. And I didn't. I didn't think anybody else did, but apparently this is a huge deal, right? Yeah. And so now I'm working downtown, literally across the street from the White House. I I was in a office, my own office that had a window. I was like, why am I here? What am I supposed wow. to do now? And then there was problems on the project. And I was the one who was inadvertently being the truth teller. And it wasn't in um, favor of the decisions that were made by my executive and the executive that was there before him. And it was actually supporting the what the client was claiming. And he said, the only instructions that were was given to take the information and to take all of the all of the experience and the resumes that we had um, existing on the account and map it back to the job qualifications and job categories that the government had. Okay, that's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. You, 
If it's apples, apples, great. If it's not, you know, very little of it matched. So we were billing. Yeah, we were billing people and putting them in positions that didn't map back. Like, if, so what the client was saying was was right, and they, I was telling the truth. My executive said, "Send." me this he came into my office and yelled at me <laughs> first and then and I remember I slid my hands down on my desk I stood up and I said I'm not lying I'm not I'm not going to lie for you or for anyone else this is facts mm -hmm. you gave me a job to do I'm sorry you don't like the truth right and I'm like oh my god and then I was like why did I just slam my hands down but I was so frustrated with what was going on. Yeah. Like, I'm big on integrity. This has no integrity. What you're doing lacks integrity, and I can't be a part of that. So I'm giving you the truth. You don't like the truth. That doesn't mean that I'm not doing the job that I was put there. He wanted me to take the information and kind of, and I was like, no. And I knew what was happening. I immediately printed off that document, and I hid it. I took it home with me every single night. Because it originated with me, and I was smart enough to know that it said that on the Excel spreadsheet that I made. That I was the originator of the document, and when he would go in to edit it, or if it was edited in any way, shape, or form that would be in the favor of us when we were doing something that lacked in, like that could screw my career up. What was the outcome? Oh, I didn't get to see the outcome. You left. I was moved to another account. You were. Yeah. So then how did you get into IT in the first place? So you my mom. My mom worked um, for this major company, and it actually has been sold since then. Um, we, my mom worked at EDS, Electronic Data Systems, which is a Ross Perot company, yeah. um, IT consulting firm. And um, since then, we were sold to HP, and then HP, we split off into Perspecta and another company, but I don't remember what the other company is. But there's been a couple of different splits since then. Yeah. My mom um, and EDS loved to hire a family, and there were a lot of um, a lot of uh, parent-child um, uh, uh, employees there, yeah. and so um, yeah, she reached out and. The 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 um, executive that I was hired by, his daughter was actually on the project that I moved to. Okay. And so um, he he, I was already going to be like I didn't even need to go to the interview. Wow. All right. So then, Jenny, tell me um, when you you said you had moved from Colorado to this job, it, it's just incredible. I mean, the <laughs> series of events that uh -huh. happened in the process, it's mind blowing. Yeah. But then, so you were your military spouse. Yes. And that. So he went through the ROTC program. Your husband did. Yes. Um, so tell us about that journey. So, so um, I met him um, my first semester in college at Nova. He was finishing up his last semester because he did two years at Nova and then transferred in to the ROTC program okay. um, at the university that he ended up. Um, going to which was Radford um, and so it was my very first semester and we were in a psychology class together and it <laughs> I know and he was so cute <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie he did not have beards or muscles oh, or a tattoo <laughs> <was so> cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
And I was 18, and he had just turned 20. Okay. And um, it, somehow one of my friends knew one of his friends that he was in the class with. And he apparently had pointed me out, and I didn't know. And all of a sudden, like, the second or third class, they're now sitting behind us. And I was like... He's right there. Aww. Oh my gosh. Like, I was, yes, I was, and, and one day, um, and we all walked out to our cars together. Okay. And he was, I've, I'm always the one that gets picked on. I'm never sure how that happens. And like a group of friends, I'll always be the one that somebody like is picking on, probably because I end up picking on them. Right, right, I, right. I, I'm not even pretend. And so I had, I had my backpack on because, you know, school. And <laughs> I was little. And so the, the loop that's on the, my backpack, the back he grabbed it and he kept pulling me back and just messing with me while we were walking. And of course I would take a couple of steps back and I'd look at him and just kind of be like, you're, you know, you're such yeah. a butthead. And I, and that's how it kind of began. Something very cute and very yeah. innocent like that. And then it, it, we stayed a little longer in the parking lot and talked and, and he gave me, oh, we had pagers. <laughs> you had a pager number. <laughs> no. Let me tell you how it worked. He, I, he gave me his number. And I was like, in my brain, my mom said, nice girls don't call boys. So being the genie that I am, I was like, hmm. I said, wrote down. I was like, that's cool. And I took out a piece of paper and I wrote my number on it. And nice. I handed it to him. And he was like, I'll call you. Nice. And I was like, oh, it worked. You must be a nice boy. You must be a nice boy, Jenny. like me. And your mom must have given you really great advice. I told her, yeah, I was like, mom. And, and I never call, I was never allowed to call a boy. Ever. Never. And I still keep to that. I ain't calling you. Not unless, like, we're in a super committed relationship. I ain't calling you. Right. I'm not doing it. Nice girls don't call boys. Nice it still suck. It still suck. <laughs> And that's, that's, that was, I was told. Yeah, some of the things that we'll probably have to, like, untrain. Right, but I ain't calling a boy still. Right. I'm talking to I still am not calling a boy. Not calling a boy. Uh, not unless we're in a really, and then I'm comfortable, and then I'll call yeah. Like, it's fine, because then it's normal, right? It's, yeah. But at the very beginning, I will not. I will not be the first one that reaches out. I will not. That's me. Like, and that's your value. Yes. I mean, we all have them. Yes. We all have them. Yeah. Like, I need to understand that you're genuinely interested and yeah. I am not chasing you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not chasing you because I am, in my brain, I'm worth more than, than that. I'm, yeah. you're, you need to show that interest. And, yes. You need to reach out to me. You need to make sure that, uh, I mean. You have value. For me, yes. that's, that's something that, that is not that the great pretenders can't. Pretend that for a little bit, right? Because right. right. they we'll can't. And <laughs> yes. it's happened. Yes. I've been fooled. Um, but no, and it just kind of progressed from there. And then it was time for him to, he got his associates at Nova at the end of that semester and was moving on to um, Radford. And I decided to follow him. So you went to Radford? To, oh, I did not go to Radford. I went to community college down there. So I just tink, tink, tink. Oh, so you I had my him. own apartment. I had my own Bye. apartment. He had his own apartment. And not that he wasn't at my yeah. apartment like all the time, but right. like I, he came to my house. Right. I'm going to his. So you transferred from community college here and you went to, to community, community college, college down there. there. 
Yeah. And so how did the military come about? So he went through the ROTC program. So he was commissioned at a, as an officer after the two years at, right. at uh, Radford and he graduated. And so um, we were together that entire time. And oh, I loved him. So when did you guys get married? Uh, well, he went off uh, off to Armor Officer Basic course, which was in uh, at Fort Knox, Kentucky. He did okay. that during that summer, um, and then he was commissioned as an officer. And or no, he got his duty station after graduating from his uh, Officer Basic course um, at in December. Yeah, he literally like. He asked me to marry him on Labor Day. I probably should have taken that as a little offensive, like Labor Day, really. But <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> he was just home. It was just how it worked. Exactly. And so he was home for that long weekend and uh, asked me to marry him because I told him, I was like, I'm not going with you anywhere. Yeah. As Out a of girlfriend. This Commonwealth of Virginia as a girlfriend okay. or as a fiance. We had, yeah. like, I was no way. And yeah. he was going to Colorado. He was going to Fort Carson. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. Um, he came home and he was like, I can't imagine doing this without you with wow. me. And I was like, yay. So I got a pretty dress and I got married at the church that I grew up in. And um, How much longer after what, the, the date that he asked you did you get married? December. So he asked me on Labor Day, which is like what, the first? So Monday in September. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we got married uh, December 23rd of 1999. So that's oh. the, like, <laughs> same year. I switched that stuff around. Yeah. He went changing his mind. <laughs> so so when, when, how long was he in Colorado then? We were there for four years. Wow. So, oh, so, so then before he... Um... So we moved. So we got married on the 23rd. Yeah. Christmas was on the 25th. Yeah. And we left on the 26th. No, we left on the 27th to go out to Colorado. So he was going back to duty his duty station. Well, he had never been there. So this is his first That's official duty station. Got it. So he chose... We sat down. Even though we... I mean, like, we weren't engaged or anything like that. He said, where would you like to go? Because he knew he was going to get his first choice because of his grades and all got of his... Uh, we knew he was going to get first choice, whatever he chose to do. Yeah. Um, and he got branch detail, which means he went armor and then MI, um, which is really hard to get. A lot of times they don't do that. Um, mm -hmm. But he had to do... Um, he he the, the way it's set up when you do that in order to go to MI, MI, into MI the way he was, mm -hmm. um, it he had to have that... Um, an armor or an infantry background. Got it. So, um, it, again, that's something that is rarely given, and yeah. he was given yeah. that. Um, and he he said, where would you like to go? And I was like, oh, what are my choices? <laughs> and Colorado was one of the choices. Wow. And I, that I, wanted to be in, I wanted to live in Colorado. I loved Colorado. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Why didn't you stay there? He got out, and he... After the first four years? Well, yeah, because we did... Uh, he he did... Um, he was up for... Um, we, we did one half of a deployment to um, Iraq. So he was one of the first two rolled in. Um, got it. And... So we did that. We we did a deployment. <laughs> it was not fun. We did we yeah. did half of it, and then he told me he's like, you know, I have to make a decision before I leave. So this was before he even left to go to Iraq. He's like, I have to make a decision before I leave as to whether or not I want to continue 
in, in the army because my four years Got is it. coming up. My okay. four years of active duty is coming up and I need to make a decision. I was like, okay. And I said, I will support you with whatever. I gave my pros and cons of what I thought should happen, mm -hmm. or uh, my opinion. I said, ultimately, it's your career. I yeah. trust you to make the right decision. He made the decision of wanting to, to get out and do his last four uh, years in reserves. And okay. I was like, okay. But he had to do inactive reserves because of his uh, specialty. He knew he would get called back up. And I did inactive reserves. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he did his and, and there was a lot of guilt involved in that. Like I mean, like oh, it, it, it was, was hard. It was hard for when we did it. We had two. When I did, it, I had two small kids at the time. My husband I had stayed none. active. Zero. Yeah, and I had two little babies. Um, and it was just super hard. Yes, I super hard. I supported a lot of my friends there who had kids, and I almost became like their surrogate husband yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then And ultimately that was the demise of of our of our marriage. What was it? Um while he was gone, I made friends with um a woman. Yeah. And um she and I became very close. She had two little kids and I just adored them. And um it of course he came back before anybody else did because mm -hmm. his, his his time was done mm -hmm. and so um about that time her husband called her from iraq and asked her for a divorce and she fell apart and i went to corwin and or probably shouldn't have said his name but whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah i went to him and i said you know she's really struggling and i want to help her take care of the kids can they come and live with us and he said yeah sure um, which wouldn't be abnormal of him. He w went along with whatever little yeah, thing yeah. I came up with all the time. Yeah. So. I, I, he trusts your decisions. Yeah. yeah. And, and I did him, right? Yeah. Like we had that give and take. Yeah. And so, um, and I trusted him. And um, she came and lived with us. And my mom and dad came for... Either it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. It must have been Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Uh, one of those two. Um, probably Thanksgiving. And my mom looked at me and said, you need to get her out of your house. And I was like, Mom, what? You need to get her out of your house. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's a little too close to him. So your husband was back by this time while mm -hmm. she was living with you guys. Or was she living with you before he came back? After he came back, she, she came moved, back. Okay. Yeah. And she was going through her divorce. Yeah. And you got advice from your mom after they came to spend time with you to get her out of your house because your mom observed that she was too close to your husband. Yeah. And, you know, I was helping her take care of the kids. Basically, I was taking care of the kids. And um, my mom saw things she didn't like. And I was like, Mom, I trust him. Like, mm -hmm. I trust him. It's fine. And she was like, I'm telling you now. And I was like, okay. And I just, you know, probably should have listened to my mom. How long was she living with you by this time? A couple of months. Okay. And I, I, did, I did her kids' entire Christmas. They were there with us on Christmas. Mm -hmm. I did their entire Christmas. I did all of it. Um, I did her kids' birthdays. Um, yeah. So a total. So what happened? 
So, <laughs> um, once he got out and was officially out, um, he got a civilian job. Mm -hmm. So we moved to Lexington, Kentucky okay. for six months. Um, and we were in the process of selling our house in Colorado because we did buy a house out there. Because okay. um, we wanted to stay there. Like, that was really the goal. Um, and so we moved to Kentucky and I was, you know, I, I didn't get a job during that time. I would go in and help in the office where he was working mm -hmm. and things like that. But I didn't get a job because it was such a short amount of time. And we knew we weren't going to stay in Lexington. Mm -hmm. And then it was time to move. Um, once we moved um, back to this area, um, it all just kind of fell into my lap. You know, those you find out things you don't want to find out. And one day, um, the phone rang at our house. In Virginia. It, well, we were living in Maryland, but yeah, we were okay. in Virginia. So mm -hmm. my phone rang at, my, at, at our house, and I answered it. Well... First of all, I had just come in from going grocery shopping and he was watching TV and I came in and I was sitting on his lap and telling him like, oh, I got this, this, and this, yeah. we're going to have this, for, you know, just having a normal conversation with well, the phone rang. He never answered the phone. He could have cared less about the phone. <laughs> and he jumped up so fast that like I fell on the floor. Oh, wow. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, and I mean, I doing and he couldn't get through the phone fast enough so he turned off the answer machine that was right there and by this time I'm standing up literally standing up on the couch like I'm three right and I'm standing up on the couch I'm like what are you doing and he was like oh it's it's my brother-in-law I don't he wants me to come over there I don't want to go over there and I, I did my head and I went huh so I jumped off the couch I took off up the steps and went to the phone that was upstairs on the middle floor. Yeah. And I answered it and I said hello. And they hung up on me. The person on the other line. So then I looked at the caller ID and it was a female's name and it was a female that he worked with. And I said, why is she calling on a Sunday afternoon? And why are you throwing me on the floor and turning the answer machine? Like, no. what are you doing? And that snowballed into hours worth of conversations about her and my temper took over <laughs> and who was she a girl that he worked with in this in the Maryland area well she worked in their corporate offices in Ohio but they would travel to some different uh, locations that they were opening up like once a month or so and he would be there for like a week and help them stand up that 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 operation. So did, did the conversation ever came back to the lady you were helping in? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's what sparked me looking at his phone records in order to see what was going on. And when I did that, then I saw her number on there as well. So I saw my friend's number on there as well. And it was hours, hours. He would talk to her hours every day. All right, let me just backtrack. <laughs> when did you, how, how, when this started happening, when this happened, how long have you been gone from Colorado? At that point, it was um, probably a, a year and a couple of months. And he'd been talking to her during that entire time? Mm-hmm. Because I went all the way back. No, I went dumb. I went all oh, the way back. Further back. I went all the way back. There, were there... 
So what did you so discover? Even, even, even while we were in Colorado and Kentucky and then in Maryland, when he would go to these different jobs, not only was he meeting the woman that worked in the corporate in, office, mm -hmm. but also her in Colorado, um, she would fly to wherever he was. What what did you discover about their relationship? Oh, uh, it was, it was, it was an affair. It was, was two cheating. affairs. Yeah, he was cheating with this. Two. The Colorado lady mm -hmm. who was going through a divorce. And at that point, the divorce was final for her. And Ohio lady. Yeah. And. And our relationship was normal. And we were trying to have a baby. <laughs> I didn't, but we were trying to. And I was still friends with my friend from Colorado. She knew everything that was happening. She came out and visited us in in Kentucky and in when we lived in Maryland. And you saw nothing, no red flags during those visits? No, because I trusted him. Did you see red flags? When looking back now, did you see, do you think you, you could recall anything that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, um, he minimalized it a lot. Like, oh, well, I think of her as my sister, right? To give me comfort. I didn't think that she would be his type because when you, I mean, I was young. So like when you look at us, we're two opposite people. Even if you look at our personalities, like our personalities are very opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I mean, plus we had been together forever. Like I trust, I trusted him. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily trust her, but I trusted him. So what happened after you discovered? Oh, oh. I highlighted it in two different colors. <laughs> I was Betty Betty. Yeah, I highlighted two different colors. One was Ohio. One was my friend in Colorado. And I only gave him the Ohio stuff first. Two. At dinner, I made him dinner. That night, and 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 I passed it across the table. I said, "Can you tell me who's highlighted, whose numbers?" He was like, "Jean, come on!" Like, I was like, and of course he wouldn't answer. And I was like, "Okay." Then, and I pulled out the next page, and I was like, "So, could you tell me why there are two different colors on this page?" Yeah. Well, we were talking about you the whole time. I said, I did not have enough going on in my life for you to be talking about me for six hours a day. Wow. Yeah. And it was me. And, and well, why didn't you tell me? Well, because you would be mad at me. Why would I be mad at you? That doesn't make any sense. So how long did this period last before the next steps happened? If, a couple of months. Very short amount of time. Um, I wasn't going to live like that, and I suggested counseling. I begged him, literally, hands and knees begged him, yeah. please, please go to counseling with me. He refused to go to counseling. And um, when I, I made the decision that I was going to move, I found my own apartment here in Manassas to move to. I moved. Um, you are in Maryland, and you, what, what did that look like for you, Jeannie? Like, what did... Chaos you... inside. Okay. It was chaos. 
because you're talking about the man that I adored. Like, mm -hmm. I worshipped him. He was my real live hero. Like, he was everything to me. Mm -hmm. um, only man that I had ever had a real, you know, relationship with. That that was it. That like that, yeah. he consumed my entire adult life. Like, who am I? If I'm not your wife, who am I? If I'm not with you, then who am I? I had no idea, and I was like 26 years old. I had no idea. 25, 26. Jeannie, um, there's so much. <laughs> I'm I I'm I, I, I'm thinking about it in ways that I am mentally, you know, hear hearing you and I, I seeing you now, and I I just find it to be so courageous because I mean, there are so many women who are going through that right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And so and for me to say that I was divorced was so shameful. Now I'm like, why was I so worried about telling people that I was divorced? I had so much shame associated with that. Like, I would, like, whisper it. Like, you know what I mean? It was so hard. It was so hard to say that. Now I'm like, hey, I've been divorced three times. Ah, yeah. you know? Like, but you tell me, Jeannie, like, tell, talk this out with me. Like, mm -hmm. you, you, like you said, you were with him, and there, there not only was just love, but there was an attachment, a oh, dependence, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. a loss of self in the relationship. So mm -hmm. to, to try to like pull and go in and uh, what you, dissect yeah. those parts to rediscover you to, to, to get the strength to make a decision to go on your, I mean, what does that look like? I just knew if he wasn't going to go to counseling, how can we fix it? When he looked at me and said, no, I can't, it's too hard. That was everything I needed to know. How did you find the courage to, to, to act next? I didn't feel like I had another choice. It was either stay. Which a lot of people do. Yes. And I have been the stayer, right? Mm -hmm. Like. In, in in my last marriage, I was just going to stay until my kids were older. Like, that was my plan. Mm -hmm. um, until I couldn't ignore it anymore. And then I, I had to do something. Um, but in this case, I, I knew that I wanted a family. Mm -hmm. I knew that I loved him, but with everything that I had. But if you don't want to do this... Yeah. How do we go any further? Yeah. I, I saw no way to move forward okay. if we didn't. I had no... He tied my hands when he said he wouldn't go to counseling that it was too hard. Okay. He tied my hands. I had no other choice. And in that moment, I realized, I told myself, don't you ever get on your knees and beg anyone for anything ever again. You've been listening to part one of a two-part series of Awakening the Warriors podcast with Jeannie Kidwell as our special guest. Our podcast is produced and directed by Ryan Robin. Please remember to follow us on Facebook at Awakening the Warriors, also on Instagram at Awakening the Warriors. Remember that you are always able to join our private Facebook group by the same name, Awakening the Warriors. There you will join many other women who are courageously sharing their stories and are being supported by other 
other women who are also on a journey to explore healing, discover passion, and pursue purpose. Thank you for joining us and tune in next week to hear part two of Jenny Kidwell's story.